Hello, everyone. My name is Johnny Webster, and this is Just Johnny Joy, the podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Just Johnny Joy, the podcast. I'm here with one of my favorite people, amazing woman. She is an actress. She is a singer. She is a storyteller. She is an activist. She is black girl magic in its truest form. Crystal Joy Brown. Oh, what an amazing introduction. Like, I'm I'm just smiling ear to ear. Thank you so much. <laughs> you don't understand. Like, You're I so have, sweet. I have wanted to, to again, I, okay, so backstory. I've known Crystal for yes. ever, forever. When I was an assistant. 2011? 2011. I yeah, I was yeah. an assistant. And she was the client of, of my boss at the time. And we had never met. We just talked on the phone. Her voice is like butter. And I (laughs) loved her voice. And I remember your headshot so vividly. You were sitting back. You had on jeans and like a little uh, beige top. And it was like Crystal (laughs) Joy Brown. (laughs) And like the cursive writing. And I was like, who is this woman? She is black and she's beautiful. And Mm. I just loved, loved you. From like, just yeah, I just from loved the you. Yeah, same. I was like, and then I finally got to meet you in person. I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> the weird thing is, like, a lot of times you don't meet the assistants, or I mean, you barely meet your agents. They just kind of become a voice, um, you know, in your mm-hmm, life. Mm-hmm. But like, the assistants, uh, first of all, are doing all the work yep. a lot of times. Not to say, not to say that you're not now, Johnny. I know you're working extraordinarily <laughs> hard. But I know in a lot of situations, they're the ones like behind the scenes wheeling and dealing. So you're like, I would always try to get in good with the assistants because I'm like, those are the ones that are having that constant call the the casting director, call these people and get them on the phone and make sure that there's a good relationship there to go to the next person. So, and you were just always so full of light. And I was just like, yes, he's black. <laughs> yes, <laughs> someone on my team is black. Oh, okay, <laughs> and, and pro tip actors. Um, Get Mm -hmm. to know the assistant. She is so right. I started Mm -hmm. as an assistant. I remember every actor, casting director, casting associate who was ever nice to me. I know who was mean to me. I know the actors who treated me with respect. The actors who, you know, cast me off as like the guy answering the phones. Remember, assistants become agents. They become managers. They become producers. Producers. Writers. Mm -hmm. Directors. Casting directors. Casting directors. (laughs) Pro tip. Get to know the assistants, love, mm-hmm. respect, appreciate the assistants because as an agent now and previously a manager, the assistants do a lot. They do. They do a lot. They know a lot, and they are completely underappreciated in a lot of in a lot of situations. So, like, yeah, remember that, like, passing them over and being like, oh, "Can you just get so and so on the phone?" Like, remember mm-hmm. when your manager or your agent retires. Or mm-hmm. decide, like the assistant is the one that is yeah, see- or the assistant is like I'm gonna go and be something somewhere else and somewhere great, and mm-hmm. then they're like never going to, and- then they're gonna be fighting against you and know who you personally are. Remember when you not walk- saying it's a, it's like oh so vindictive, but look, but, you know but- what? This is a competitive sport. You know, it, the it acting is. is a competitive sport, and so we need our coaches, we need our like everybody like rallying for us, or they're gonna be people be people rallying against us. So it's better to treat and you know you said it so beautifully but treat everyone as if they are valuable and and treat everyone on on planet earth as if they matter because 
you never know where people are going to be later on in life or, you know, you know, just for a business side, like where if you're going to need them at some point or just like, just don't be an asshole. Mm -hmm. Like just you are not the most important thing ever. Um, and everyone, and, and honestly, until you're making a whole bunch of people a lot of money, like it's kind of a favor. <laughs> Not trying, it's kind of, like, you know, as soon as I start making money for people, I'm like, okay, look, you better answer my phone call. But before I'm like actually valuable in a monetary way to mm -hmm. people that I'm technically paying to work for me who are technically working for free, I better be fucking nice to them. <laughs> <laughs> I was telling people the other day, I was like, I'm fi I finally, I'm finally out of my internship as a manager because I'm now making money. And like, right. it's like, we, we don't make any money. Actors don't realize that, that like, if you're not, remember, if you're not making any money, we Neither are not making the, any money. Yeah. So mm -hmm. everything that I do for you until you are making money is for free. So that yep. two hour conversation where you just, talked about your feelings and about all the things that I'm doing wrong or not happening. That was two hours of free labor. Yeah. If that was a lawyer, that would have be been like a thousand dollar call. Yes. <laughs> like, like we were doing this for free like, until you make money. So yeah. appreciate the time and effort that we put in to, to taking the call. And look, if we're not taking the call, it's because we're doing the job. Yeah. We're doing yeah. the actual, my job is to be on the phone constantly talking to casting directors and producers and network executives to understand what they need, why they need it, who they want, mm -hmm. why they want them, so that when I'm pitching you or talking about you, I am completely informed about what they want so that I can get you the job. If I don't answer the call, it's not because I'm sitting around doing nothing. Because if I'm not doing nothing, I'm not making any money. Right. Yeah, exactly. Everyone's working really hard. You know, the and, only person- And I think- the only person that's making money is the assistant because they get paid uh, like weekly. a salary. <laughs> <laughs> so be nice to them because uh, they're actually getting great. paid. <laughs> yeah, great. I mean, uh, yeah, I think that everyone at this point, I think, uh, you know, as the world is opening back up, I think um, there's a lot of anxiety. And I think there's also like a lot of actors and a lot of people who feel like their agent didn't do anything or especially theater people. I mean, we've been through so much. And I think a lot of people are like upset rightfully so, you know, and felt like, oh my gosh, my job is gone and my my relationship with my manager or my agent doesn't exist anymore um, because the work wasn't there. And there was film and TV, but for theater folks or people who are like live on the theater and regional and cruise ships and tours and whatever, that didn't exist. So I think that there is going to be a lot of anxiety and, and fear and frustration in those partnerships, but I think we all have to come back to each other and say like, okay, what happened happened and we were all trying to figure out the best way that we possibly could. And now we can move forward. And I think every, I think it's going to be the roaring twenties. I, I really do. Like I live in Midtown, I live in Times Square, basically Manhattan. And I can already see like a sunny day. People are out here, honey. And like, I, there, I didn't even know this, but there is a clothing optional beach 40 minutes away from my house what? in Times Square. <laughs> yes, in Queens. Oh my goodness. I need I to went, come to I, New York. I have to say, I didn't go clothing optional. I went, I, but I did for the first time ever 
wear a thong bikini. Yes. And I sat down the whole time. No, I, it wasn't good. I was very <laughs> self-conscious. I sat down the whole time. I felt very weird. Um, but I was like really, it was like all these people were so liberated and there was romance everywhere and people were just like out here. And I was like, oh man, we are about to be free and liberated, but also really awkward and weird because we haven't been to work, mm -hmm. a lot of us. So mm -hmm. we haven't been in these work-like settings. And even if you are, like if you're an actor and you've been on set and stuff, that is also very cold because you are really in a bubble. And also as the actor, you don't even see most of the other people's faces, mm -hmm, <laughs> you mm -hmm, know? Yep. Like, so I have a friend who's working on a, a show right now and she's like, she's like, I've been working on this, this set for nine months and I haven't seen most of these people's full faces. And when I get a glimpse, if they're like taking a sip of water, like, <gasps> she's like, oh my God, that's your face. <laughs> oh my God, that's how you look like. You know, um, because it is kind of like bizarrely isolating and you're you are kind of in a bubble. And, and then as the actor, you're kind of like I'm I'm out here kind of vulnerable and everyone can see me, but no, I can't see anyone else. So it's a very weird time. I think we're all going to need a lot of uh, a lot of guidance through this really awkward new phase of, of communication. And what I've noticed is, at least in my life, and I, I think that, you know, for a lot of reasons, this has been dead to me for a long time. But the thing that Americans are the best at or used to be the best at, it was small talk. Mm -hmm. And I think it's dead. Oh, I think small I talk is over. Like, how can you small talk these days? Like, oh, the weather is, no one cares. About, no. Like, are you okay? Did mm -hmm. you did you get through this? Mm -hmm. All right, are, are your family and friends still mm -hmm. alive? <laughs> like, are yes. you in, how, what level of stage of grief are you in? Like, how are you coping? Like, I don't start any conversation off that's just like, yeah, so like mm -hmm. the weather is like wild, like, or how, you know, that surface stuff is just gone for me, you know, and, and I like it because I feel like more people can meet me there and I'm not just this weird chick that goes in too, too, mm -hmm. too hard, too mm -hmm. fast. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, don't we all want to talk about our feelings? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, you know, you were, you were, as you were talking, I was getting goosebumps at the idea mm. of just like human connection and yeah. the and even the vulnerability of going to a clothing optional beach. Like, yeah. the, like the the vulnerability there of just like being naked. And I mean like emotionally naked, physically naked, like all of that. Like I have not had small talk in the longest time. I it's just not a thing. It's like you said, like no. I am hugging people and mm -hmm. like I'm not a hugger. I'm I have a lot of like that shocks me. Johnny. I know. Like you're not a hugger. I am. I am not a hugger because, um, and I'm not going to get emotional this early in our talk, but like I have a lot of issues around intimacy and like vulnerability, um, oh. and so I'm not. A, I'm. I hug the people that are closest. Oh my to god, me. I'm so touchy feely. Like I feel like I like I'm looking at you via the Zoom right now, and all I want to do is like grab you, <laughs> no, hold I know. your. Like if we were talking, like I'd be holding both of your hands and like stroking I, your arm. <laughs> I am a hand holder. I do love, I, I love touch. I love physical connection. But like, for some reason, like in the last year, like I've, I've become like, mm. I've kind of not like cold is not the right word, but I, I think being alone so much, like I, mm. I grew so distant from connection because everything yeah. is zoom now. So I feel like I, I want to get to know people via zoom. And now that I'm in person, it's like, Oh wait, do we hug? Do I shake their hand? Like what, you know, what right. do I do? How do I? Oh, and then there's those like really bad hugs where there's like, like two inches of air between you yes. and you don't really know what to do and like just actually don't fake hug me like, yes, like either press your your titties against my, my titties yes, yes. or or we're not doing this not, <laughs> no and it's true it's like now it's like i like i'm so now i'm like i hugged someone yesterday for the first time and it was super awkward and weird and then i hugged mm. another person and i was like okay now this is you know it's just it's so mm -hmm. weird like i've been i've been struggling with like trying to like thaw out 
you know? Yeah, like yeah, the year, yeah, the year we and, are. The year and a half was like, well, it's just me, myself, and I. And like the fear of like, of COVID, of connection, of like mm-hmm. breathing on another person. Like, it's like, I thought about like, you were talking about the, again, back to the nude, the clothing optional beach. I'm like, I would love to just go to a beach fully naked and just mm-hmm. walk around and just feel mm-hmm. that just like release of like, this is me, like my fat roll. This is my, it. My, you know, the, all the stuff. fat roll. No, they exist. They exist. It's fine. The, no, they don't. I, I, they, I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. But, but there's I, nothing wrong with that. Now yeah, I'm nothing. like, I want to live naked and not even mm. just like physically, but like emotionally. Emotionally, vulnerably, you know, open, like when I receptive. see people on the street, mm-hmm. I'm like, how are you? Yeah. And not like, oh, I'm like, how are you? No, like really, like no, but like, how are you? Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm not just asking, like, you good? Like, it's like it's like a deeper. Like, I don't don't say fine or good or I'm like, tell me. Yeah. You know, like, like I'm actually here. Know. If I'm asking the question, I really truly want to know. And I think that we all this time period has forced us to listen and mm-hmm. see things mm-hmm. in a totally different way. Mm-hmm. So it's like we sat and we watched knees on the neck. We watched murders after murders. We watched death count numbers. We watched elections go haywire. And we watched capitals being, you know, mm-hmm. siege. We're watching India, you know, be submerged in what it is and everything happening with the Palestinians and the Jews. Like where we see this and we need to be talking and we are on zooms having these conversations and people are getting together in a way that they weren't getting together before because a lot of times like you and i were talking before like you know we're so social Mm -hmm. very social people you go out and when you're going out and being social you're just kind of drinking and you're just like trying to have a good time right trying to blow off steam and you're not trying to sit in whatever work thing happened to you earlier that day or life thing that's been pressuring you you're kind of escaping the realism right Mm -hmm. and this time we couldn't escape to anywhere. I mean, you could escape to, and many people did escape to drugs and alcohol or just watching TV. But I'm like, and and I I, I say this with compassion because I do have compassion. But I'm I feel as though if you didn't look at yourself during this period in some major way, if something about you hasn't changed, even if you just had a like a light bulb, like oh wow, I I eat terribly, or oh wow, like my relationship with my family makes me really sad that I didn't want to see them this entire period and like, or I need to see a therapist or whatever it is, like whatever, you know, if you weren't rocked to your core, mm-hmm. I'm really shocked. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like even a person like me who in August 1st, I will have been sober for five years. Mm. So yes, congratulations. Thank you. We used um, to drink together. <laughs> yes, we sure did, honey. <laughs> Like I used to drink with everyone. I was only a social drinker, you know? So I used to, my way of communicating Mm -hmm. and being connected with people was to try to get them out of their inhibitions. Like I wanted people to be free, right? Like that was a big part of who I was. I wanted, and to be free around me, I thought people needed to drink. Mm -hmm. And so I inspired, I was like, I was like the life of the party because I wanted people to feel free around me because I think not that I'm in- intimidating, but I think I can come across as intense, maybe, you know. And so, yes, no, yes. So, yes, you, you know. <laughs> well, you know what it is? There's a self, no, you know what it is? There's a self-assurance to you that is can be intimidating and can be scary. Mm. And I think that's something that I was talking to a friend yesterday, and and particularly with black women, there is a there is a self-assuredness that I was afraid of and I didn't have. And any woman mm. in my life that was self-assured, that was outspoken, that was like very boisterous and vibrant, it scared me. It yeah. scared me. And I mm. 
you know, and for me, drinking was how I showed up. It wasn't yeah. to be free and to be none. I was already sort of like free and living in the world. But like I needed to drink to show up. I needed to drink to right. be able to hang with you so that I can keep up with you and not be afraid of you and not yeah. and not let the insecurity of like, oh my God, like she can she's this and she's that and he's this and he's that and they look this way and they have this and they have money. I don't have any of that. Like I need to drink so that I feel invincible hmm. and powerful. And and I'm so grateful that I just celebrated six years in March Woo! because right? Because I would have died during COVID if I was still drinking. Oh. I mean, I think every single day about the people who didn't make it out because of addictions. Mm -hmm. I mean, like DMX, that that death Broke hits me. me, hit me really, really hard. And it was crazy because for like a while, they were on my street. They would play DMX, like blasting it for mm -hmm. like for like three minutes. Mm -hmm. Um, and um, it always hurts me because I feel like there's such a quiet pain when it comes to addiction, and it comes to um. And it, there's so much shame around it too, mm -hmm. and it's so hidden, and it's so many things that people are just like, like may not understand, or or even the word alcoholic just sounds like, mm -hmm. are you an alcoholic? Ugh. It's like, well, I mean, I, no, alcohol doesn't mix well with my my body chemistry. Mm -hmm. Like it honestly, like scientifically, does not work for me. The chemical compound that is alcohol mixed with Crystal Joy Brown does not do well. Like. I turn into a person that I'm not, I don't feel like I'm best representing myself. And, and, you know, and I, I wasn't able to feel pure joy, which I, you know, we'll get into that, I guess more, but, but like, I don't know, we're, I think we're just in this very interesting place where we all need to be grateful for where we are and what we have. And like, even if you did drink too much over this time, or you did lean on a crutch or two that, you know, is not healthy for you know that there are other alternatives like we are two people who have found alternatives for five six years in our 20s and 30s mm -hmm. like pretty young to be like not drinking and yeah and and in and in this business where we're at parties and premieres and mm -hmm. we're keeping up with the joneses and we want everyone to think we're free and fun and you know when i tell people i don't drink they're like well what do you do for fun and i'm like <laughs> oh my god like do you get that question Johnny? Like, do, do you get that like, i've had i've had moments where like i've left i've left parties and they're like we're all getting ready to go and they're like oh like i'm gonna get an uber i'm like i'm driving They're like you can you can drink and drive i was like i didn't drink at all Mm -mm. They're like, what? I'm like, no, I yeah, didn't have a shocked. They were like, like, but you, you were you dancing. So much fun. Yeah, you were dancing and did it. I go, because like I was doing that. I was doing that as a kid. Mm -hmm. And what I remember and is that like I didn't need to drink to find joy. I didn't need to drink mm -mm. to have fun. I didn't need to drink to be to dance and to sing. And I can't sing, but like to go to I didn't need to drink. You know what I mean? Because like for 20 something years of my life, I didn't drink and I danced and performed yeah. and moved around. And 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 so for me, like drinking became the solution when I didn't know what the solution at the time was. Yeah, which was actually getting back to who you getting were to who original, I was, to originally. To loving myself, to loving that didn't, the person. Yeah, because it didn't seem like enough. And I, you know, I wanted every night to be the best night of my life, and I wanted everyone to have the best time. And it was funny because after I stopped drinking, and my, I'd go out with my friends, and they'd be like, I, you know, we'd go out, we'd have, they'd have a few drinks, and I'd be like, what? Aren't you gonna like have shots? Aren't you gonna do? They're like, no, girl. Like we only did that because <laughs> of you. you. Yes. <laughs> and I was like, oh, oh, shoot. <laughs> 
okay. I, that was like a moment of like pure revelation for mm-hmm. me that I was like, I was just such a pusher. Too. I was yeah. such a bully, like with my drinking. Cause I was like, we all have to have the best time ever. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's an interesting time because we are looking at our world. We're like, you know, we had to look at the world on a macro level and then like, like how our systems have failed us, how our systems aren't working, what's happening in our environment. And to the, to the micro level, like, we've had the time now and we're about to emerge and things are opening up and we're about to be out and back at work and in these systems back in the systems that we feel very very Mm -hmm. oppressed in right Mm -hmm. yeah and we're going to have to figure out our new language out what our new accountability our new strategies for being able to have joy for being able to to communicate with each other on a deeper level um and also to still have I, I also feel like people are, are also dying to tell you about their misery and pain as well. Yep. So it, that's another thing that we have to also protect ourselves from because people have been alone and lonely. And a lot of people want to be like, here's every horrible thought that I've thought since the pandemic. You know, I, and I've told people we are not trauma bonding today. No, no, thank you. <laughs> oh, my God. Trauma, trauma bo- bonding. We're that's not the word, trauma yes. bonding. I'm not. No, I'm not here for that. I'm, just, I'm, I'm not. In, in my, I've been there in my life. Of course. Yeah. I, I'm just not there at all anymore. I'm like anyone that comes into my life and I've had to actually, I've had to let some friends go or put them on notice at least, Mm -hmm. which was the hardest thing for me because I don't want anyone ever to feel like I'm not there for them. But I've had to say, hey, you know, like I love you. And for three years, we've been having the same conversation. Mm -hmm. And I tell you how amazing you are and what you deserve and what I think that you can have. And I try to get bring solution and love to your your situations and you're not receiving it and i don't know how any like any longer that i can be a part of this conversation until you're ready to actually make some actionable changes because not only do i feel like you're ignoring all of the love that i'm trying to give you Mm -hmm. it's also devaluing me because you won't take any of the things that i'm saying you say that this one person who hurt you and made you feel miserable and horrible has more power over you than someone who is giving you nothing but pure love and support. Mm-hmm. And I can't constantly be rejected like that. You know what I mean? Like, no, of course. and that was just like, and and and, and part, some parts it can sound a little bit selfish, but it's also just like I'm here for you when you are ready for to receive my love. It's but not I'm not going to sit here and continue to like rehash and talk about all the people who've done you wrong and give them all this power in my life too. Because now I'm sitting here, they're taking up that, my precious time. Mm-hmm. When I could be laughing with you and enjoying with you and playing with you and strategizing with you with how we can create a new world and you want to sit here and and complain about things that are completely out of your control, you know? So it's been really hard for me during this period because I know people are so terrified and, sh- and sad and shocked and in their grief and all these things to have to say to some people, like, if there is an emergency, you can always call me. I am here for you. But until you actually want to have a friendship that is healthy and or a relationship that feels good, I can't I can't be a part of this because it actually it really weighs on me. And as someone who has been that friend for years, for years, mm-hmm. I was that friend. Mm-hmm. It was all about mm-hmm. me, all consuming, self-absorbed, yep. self-centered, yep. you Same. know, and and not even and not even maliciously. And that's what's so yeah painful and heartbreaking mm-hmm. about those relationships is like it's right. not personal it's not malicious it is just who they are at that time and i've had to learn 
that I'm no longer having relationships based around who I think this person could be. If oh, they my God. Oh, my <laughs> like, God. I'm not interested in who I'm no longer interested in who I think you could be. Yikes. Because I, I, I. That is. Oh, I my can't God, that's, live like that. I'm how in I acceptance live. of who you. Right. <laughs> I'm an acceptance of who you are today. And that is it. And today you are not a person that is benefiting my life in a good way. And it's not selfish. Holy God. Because the truth is, if the revolt, if the roles were reversed, you would be feeling the same way. Because I'm no longer trauma bonding with you. I'm no longer in the misery with you. And mm. so I've now I now have to protect my peace and my serenity. Because that is the most important thing for Johnny Webster at this point. And I've wow. learned this in the last year and a half from the George Floyd, the Ahmaud Arby, the Breonna Taylor. Yep. Like, I have learned that my serenity is more important than anything else in this world. It is. It is not selfish. It is not demeaning to other people. It is- Because it, it's actually going to help other people. You're, it, always, you're going to be a light force that people, a beacon of light mm -hmm. that people can come to in the darkness right. because you have taken care of yourself and you've made yourself a lighthouse it is, of goodness. Of like, is, yeah. I, come here to recharge. If you yeah. want a recharge of goodness, mm -hmm. you know, I'm here for that. Yeah. It's why they tell you on the airplane to put your yep. Hello. life mask on first before you help someone else. Even your children. Even your children. your children. If I'm mm -hmm. dying to save How can you, you help anybody? I can't, I'm not helping you. Do you know no. what I mean? And so, like, for me, I've had to learn, take off the cape, put it away. Mm -hmm. I'm going to hold myself. I'm going to love myself. Mm. I'm going to protect myself. And then I can be there for you. But only if you are willing to hear me and take the actions that I take. Because telling you, oh, I feel, I feel bad and I feel this and I feel that, like, that's not an action. Ugh. It's not an action. Uh, the no. action is, oh, I feel terrible. What should I do in this moment? I'm going to go for a walk around the block. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to, oh, I Yeah, feel bad. well, that's the contrary action, right? right? Like, yeah. And that's that's things that you learn in sobriety. And it's so funny because I was listening to um, This American Life before you and I got on this on this call. And I was there. the episode this week is Good Grief, and they're talking about grieving. Mm. And this guy talked about losing his, his three-year-old daughter, uh, son, um, almost three years old from cancer and how he was like a lot of this. He's like, I just sat with it. He's like, I didn't do anything but sit with it because, and he talked about how he had been sober and how being sober had taught him to process the emotions. Like you can't run away and go, okay, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna go drink myself or I'm going to go distract myself. He's like, nope, I've been taught to process these emotions that are really hard. And that's really hard to just mm -hmm. like sit there and like feel that. Cause like once I got sober, it was like, I had like death after death after death in my family. And I was just like, and I, but I was at, in the end, as much as I want it, cause there's of course when there's like funerals and everything, everyone's drinking, there's lots of stuff around. And it was a very easy option to go and like, get drunk with my family and kind of commiserate in that way and lose like two years of my sobriety. Or I just sat there and I just held people's hands and when they were spinning out, I could be that force to hold them or be like, I'm taking your keys or I'm driving you home. Or you know what I mean? Like I could be there for them in a way that I didn't, I never expected to be, you know? Um, mm -hmm. And even though like I was the youngest in the family at the time, like it was just like, I, I could show up for them and myself in this way. But I want to backtrack because this weekend, I had an amazing weekend um, with Britt Lauer, who's an incredible actress. Um, and she 
she was laying here on my couch and we were just like having a girl's time. Like we were just having the best time. And she is, you know, we, I, we are two people who believe in magic and believe in pretty much everything. And we just sat and talked for hours and I was telling her about various relationships and she was like, this reminds me of a poem. And I, I found it so striking that I wanted to read it to you. Okay. Can I? Yes, okay. no, of course. Okay. <clears throat> this is for whoever needs to hear this right now. I, I really dedicate this to you. And I'm, I'm going to ruin her name, the, the poet that wrote this, but here we go. Someone can be madly in love with you and still not be ready. They can love you in a way you have never been loved and still not join you on the bridge. And whatever their reasons, you must leave because you never ever have to inspire anyone to meet you on the bridge. You never ever have to convince someone to do the work to be ready. There is more extraordinary love, more love that you have never seen out there in this wise, wide and wild universe. And there is the love that will be ready and that is by Nayara Wahid. Wow. Wow. Yeah. She said she read that to me, and I was like in a ball. Like I was like, "What you reading me for, Phil? What you, <laughs> what you, like, excuse yes. you? Yes. You know." And and she was, you know, just like just as I was like telling her these stories of you know relationships and friendships and all these things and 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 what we gravitate towards, right? We're like, "Well, this person loves me so good," and like this person's and like they're, at least it's the devil I know and not the devil I don't know and da, da, da. and or it's even it's not just love. It's, it can be work things. Like it can be just because this pays you money, mm -hmm. doesn't mean it's good for you. Mm -hmm. Just because it fulfills one basic need, doesn't mean it's good enough. And so it was just like, it can be, you can, you can uh, slot in other, other well, theories. Insert, or other, insert yeah, insert, it, insert yeah, here. exactly. It's like, it's, I love that because I think it's something that like I had to learn in my mm. own life about relationships, platonic or romantic, is that, you know, it's, it's not, them it's me i'm mm. accepting i'm letting this happen i'm accepting this thing i'm convincing myself well this is my person well this is my this and this is my that and all of that may be true but mm. if they're not ready if it's not right. their time and i can say that from my own i'm in a in a relationship now that is has been you know, a lot of things, you know, we met, we fell in love and then we moved in together. Then we broke up and then we didn't talk and then we were friends. But all the, all the while I knew that this was my person, you know, right. and I had yeah. to learn though that, you know, just because this is my person doesn't mean this is our time, mm. you know, and if it's, and it's, and I believe that if it's meant to be, it will be nothing can, yeah. no one can take something away from you. That's yours. It's just not yeah. possible. You know, yep. not the job, not the boy, not the thing, not the this, not the that. If it's meant for you, it will be for you and it will come yep. to you in time. Agreed. And Agreed. here we are, you know, like, you know, like we, a year and a half, we've been in this really beautiful, you know, companionship and partnership and we just moved back in together and I've only wanted to kill them once. Thank you. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> no, I mean, it's true. Like it, it, but again, it is, we, I had to remember mm. that, you know, he wasn't ready and me trying mm. to force him 
to be ready only made it worse. And him trying yeah. to force me away only made me want, you know what I mean? Like it, yeah. it is just- I'm thing. very familiar with, especially being a woman, you know, and I I have expectations. Mm -hmm. I have like, I have things that I'm like, I gotta have babies at this time and I gotta do this, I gotta do this. And I got, you know, I want to rush. I wanna, and all of a sudden, and maybe it's because like one of my best friends sent me this Adam Ruins Everything video about, um, about, uh, pregnancy and the lie that like your your eggs die after 35 um which is really brilliant for anyone that's out there listening and it's like you know and i have a whole bunch of friends who are in their 40s who've just had babies you know and so i'm just like i don't know why i think that like 32 i have to freeze my eggs oh god you know, like, was a you know i read an article there was a 57 year old woman who had a baby yeah, She's I 57. mean, you know, this, like it's not. I know someone who's forty six that got pregnant, like just naturally, like a oh, oh whoops. Um, so it's <laughs> it, you know, like it's not. It's so I was like, it took some weird pressure off me, and I especially think that as women, as women who are career oriented, we start to think, oh my gosh, I'm sacrificing everything for this career, and that was starting to weigh on me because this last year. I had to pivot and hustle my ass off. Mm -hmm. And I felt very lonely whilst doing it. But I also, and I was like watching people on Instagram, like get married or get pregnant or all these things. And I'm just like, I'm over here hustling, like counting my checks. <laughs> and I'm like, that's great. But like, as Diana Ross said, like, you know, success is nothing if you're celebrating it alone. Mm -hmm. That wasn't a direct quote. It was something similar she said to Barbara Walters. but. It's just like, it was that a little bit where I was like, oh man. And, but then, you know, and I have, I've had kind of a similar situation that you're in, like with someone who I feel like that's my person, but they're not ready. Mm -hmm. And I'm just gonna, you know, allow them to do what they need to do. And if, if the timing aligns, right, then that'll be great. And, you know, and if it doesn't, like I've met, I know how much I can love someone, yes. you know what I mean? Yes. And, and then there's someone and something better for both of us. But, you know, I'm in this really big exploratory phase of myself. Like I, as of like two weeks ago, like feeling like I'm free in some very weird way. I think that all of the conversations around non-binary and transgender and queer and all these things, I'm just like, oh my gosh, like we're so much more free than we, um, than we allow ourselves to be, you know? And I've never considered myself straight. I've never been straight, but everyone just thinks I'm straight presenting is what I <laughs> Oh, you're straight I'm very, presenting? I'm oh. straight presenting. Oh, um, okay. <laughs> but I'm not, I'm not though. Like I would consider myself fluid. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so I, you know, and, but the freedom, I've never really labeled myself anything. I was just kind of like, I just like who I like when I like what I like it, you know? Right, <laughs> like, of course, yeah. You yeah, know, yeah. but, and I thought I that was it. just fine, but I think that we're in this place now where we're allowing ourselves to be to expand as humans mm -hmm. and and that means that there's just more out there there's more to you there's more available to you there's more um that's going to come at you if you are receptive and open to it and things may not look like what the machine tells us it's supposed to look like right yeah and no. i think that's like that is one of the conversations i was having with brit was like we were talking about we were talking i was telling her like just went on a rant about how I think that so many, so many of the decisions we make are because, you know, because if we are this box, they can market to us as this. Mm -hmm. Becoming non-binary or blah, 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 like all these things, 
they don't know how to market to us. They don't know how. Well, this is the perfect family. This is the ideal. This is the American dream. This is the standard of what you're supposed to achieve. And therefore, if you're not doing it, you're not doing it right. And then if you can't, if we can't market to it because it is a capitalist society, then everything falls apart. And so I'm like, yes to more liberation, yes to more freedom, mm -hmm. yes to more self-exploration because it crumbles the ideals of like what we think the parameters are that really are based in capitalism. Absolutely. You know? No, of course. And I think it's so important now because like you, like I have also found that freedom. Like I never thought of defining myself as queer. I was like, oh, I'm gay. Mm -hmm. I'm a black mm -hmm. gay man. I'm like, oh, I, you know, I'm, who cares what I am? No, who, who cares? cares? Right? Like who yeah. cares what I am? I am in the, I'm a human being in this world and I'm allowed to be whoever I want to be. Yeah, you're, you're a loving to be entity. Whoever yeah. we want to be. And it's so much of, of of the again, this capitalism is like, well, how do we define this? How do we market this? How do we sell this? We mm -hmm. need this, we need this, we need like why don't we just say we just need more of individuality and freedom? Yeah. Like, I want it's the commodification freedom. of our identities is what we I mean, that's and that's why everyone wants our, our information on our phone, right? It's like mm -hmm. to commodify what you are interested in, to commodify what you and to market to you, right? Mm -hmm. And so we have to consciously be aware of that as we're making decisions of like, who am I and what what's happening and why am I why am I tumbling down this rabbit hole? Mm -hmm. Like what's leading me there? So that we can step back and go, am I in control mm -hmm. of what my media, of my of what I'm listening to, who I'm around, or am I being controlled? Mm -hmm. You know, not to get too like matrixy, but No, but it's true, <laughs> like, but I think it's like I, I had to like I I had to, in my own way, I had to start, you know, focusing what I was looking at and what I was viewing. And I, there's certain things mm. I won't read, I won't watch, I won't view. I un, I mute a lot of people now. I mute a lot mm. of posts. I'm mindful of what I search and what I in, yeah. put into my computer and into my phone because all of a sudden it's like I'm getting all of this information about this one yeah. thing that I was looking up or someone told me about this. And all of a sudden my whole algorithm yeah, never look up what is human centipede. Jesus Christ. <laughs> First of all, why were you? And secondly, what have you learned? Uh, but, oh, God. Oh, God. The horror. I, I didn't know. even watch horror. Like, oh, my God. The movie of the human centipede was like... Insane. Have you actually seen it? I've seen it. I when I was at when I was at New Wave back in the day, we represented Ashlyn Yenny, who was in the Human Centipede, the movie, and I had never seen it. I watched it and I was like, no, thank you. And they made a sequel. No, thank you. Um, no, so thank don't you. look up Human Centipede, but you can't yeah. look up Ashlyn Yenny because we love her. But you know, it's, <laughs> but no, it's true. It's like all of a sudden it's like I'm I Google one thing and all of a sudden my whole algorithm is, yeah. is yeah. you know, like I was in the process of moving and all of a sudden all I see is like you know, patio Wayfair. furniture. Wayfair. Wayfair. <laughs> yeah. It's like, why do I see all this patio furniture? Like, I only was looking for a table. Like, what? Yeah. You know, like, it's yeah. amazing it's scary. how it's very scary. We have to take the control back, too, We have as to take the control back, and we have to be mindful and conscious of what we're putting out there, because mm -hmm. what we put out, we get back. And I don't yep. think people understand that as much, and that's even why, on a Google search, on a like Google even search, those, even yeah, as, it's, as, it's that as, micro. As, yes, micro is a Google search. But to bring it back down to micro, like mm -hmm. I had to remember, and, and this goes back to why I started this podcast, is mm -hmm. I had to remember that if I'm not, what I'm giving out is what I'm getting. If I'm mm -hmm. giving out the misery and the sadness and the depression and the, oh, the woe is me of COVID and Corona and isolation. It's like, if I'm giving that out, that's all I'm getting in return. Right. And I had to, and I was going, and I went down that rabbit hole 
of misery and loneliness and isolation and, and all of this in the first couple of months of COVID. And then eventually I was like, well, if I'm going to, if, if this is going to be my life or our lives for the next who knows how long, I've got to do something different. We've yeah. got to do something different. And that's really where the joy came from. It came, yep. it came organically because I was like, I'm, I'm like, what is wrong with me? Like, why am I so miserable? Mm. And it was because I wasn't as productive as all the people on Instagram. I wasn't <laughs> doing the fitness the way everyone was doing. I wasn't creating a new business. Like, it was like all of a sudden, like the mm. algorithm and the the messages were like, you need to be working out and eating better and cooking and baking and yep. jumping and jabbing. And blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And I'm like, that was intense. That was intense. That was intense. And I retreated. Yeah. I retreated and I went, I got really silent on social. I got really silent mm -hmm. in my life and I got really silent with my friends and with my people. And I started to go down this like misery of like information, this misery of, of who, I'm, I'm going to personify misery because that is what, that You're is my reaction kind of, yeah. to this, to what's going on. And yeah. And then George Floyd happened. And, well, Maude Arby happened mm. first. And then I was like, yeah. no. No, mm -hmm. no. I I was like, mm -hmm. I cannot sit by and let this happen and say nothing about it. I can no longer let what I do as a profession, who I am as a professional, stand in the way of me speaking up for what okay. I for what is for what is basic rights. Yeah. Basic human rights. You yeah, know, like I, I, I'm yeah. a runner. I run, I jog, I go running. That could be me. I go running too. That could have and been I have, me. You know, and, and my, my, my neighborhood in Virginia, when I go home to visit my family, you know, very similar type of neighborhood, you know, and, mm -hmm. and it could be me. It could be you. It could be my brother. It could be anyone. It could have been it, anyone. Yeah. And, and it's just enough. I mean, that was a, that was a hard one. And then, it, yeah, like I call it the trifecta, you know, Breonna Taylor and then George Floyd. George Floyd. And it was just like, mm -hmm. and I, I was one of those people who there was a moment where I really didn't leave. I mean, I was in New York City, like mm -hmm. I was in Times Square. So we were like the epicenter, right? So I was like not leaving my house at all, like for weeks, like I'm a, like, didn't leave. And I, I meet for the Ahmad Arbery thing. I was like, I'm running, I'm gonna go run those miles mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. in honor of him. Mm -hmm. And then it was like, the eruption of protests. I was like, I am I, I could not sit in my house. I was like, where do I go? How do I get there? Where's everyone meeting? What are we doing? And there's this massive virus, you know? And I, the first protest I went to, I came back home and I was like, oh my God, that was the first time one with people. And second of all, it was like, I just started crying because I was like, oh my God, I just risked my life, you know, in so many ways with police around and that could have turned violent. And then also there's a deadly virus. And I was just like, oh, and then like, I didn't die and the police didn't get their hands on me. And I was like, oh, I'm going again and again and again and again. And, and I was like, it was community that I desperately needed. I needed to see people of all ilks, of all shades out here saying this stuff. Because honestly, it wasn't just George Floyd and these horrible murders, but it was also 
people being on unemployment, mm -hmm. people being like completely, we always say trickle down economics, right? Mm -hmm. Like, oh, the rich will support us. The rich will take care of us. And they didn't. They did not. They were like, good luck. Uh, you know, here's, here's uh, how to get on unemployment. And then like for me personally, it took three months to get on. Like I was very lucky. I came from having a good job and and I'm a hustler, I'm a writer, I'm all these other things. So I could be like, okay, I'm gonna do some voiceovers. I'm gonna like, you know, change change my my focus right now since I can't do Broadway. Mm -hmm. And I'm gonna try to do all these other things so I could kind of like move along. But people who are maybe dressers or people who are electricians or other things like mm -hmm. could not pivot like I could pivot, you know? And we were out in the street for the collective rage of the systems that have failed us, whether that be the police or the government or our mayors or whomever that were just watched us fail and, and they weren't giving us truthful answers on anything. There was no truthful answers about why do black people get killed like this? Mm -hmm. Why is this on my TV? Why are children uh, ingesting this every single day on top of ingesting a, a ticker tape of numbers of deaths of people that, of a virus that, people just are deciding not to take seriously in yeah. our legislative mm -hmm. bodies, you know, and allowing us to die. And once it came out, I, once I saw it come out that more black and brown people were dying, I was like, oh God, now we're never gonna get rid of this. Mm -hmm. Because that was like the worst news because I was like, now they're not gonna care. Now they're not gonna, and that was the thing, they are not going to care. Once they realize that it's killing, you know, black and brown people. Disproportionately. Disproportionately, they're not, they don't care. It's, you know, they, yeah, they're this, is. they're that. They're, they, well, it's because of the, they, they have diabetes and they have this and they don't take care of themselves. So like, oh, yep. you know what I oh, mean? Oh yeah, like, that was, narrative was that, pushed so it was hard. so hard. And I'm like, as I'm if, like another opportunity to tear us down and say that we don't take care of ourselves. And I'm just like, is, I don't get it. Which is far from the truth. Which is far from the truth. I have to say that like one thing that I've learned you know, and I've been very vocal about as as black people and as brown people, you know, the struggles are different, um, but similar. The thing that I've learned as a black person in this country mm. and watching my family and the family before us and all of our families, like if there's one thing we're not is lazy. We've all mm. had to endure. My God. So, you know what I mean? That's like saying that black people are lazy, but my mom had three jobs just to take care yeah. of us. And my grandmother, my aunt, and my uncles, like they were out working multiple oh, non -stop. jobs. Non-stop. Non-stop yeah. just to take care of us, you know? Mm -hmm. And still being supported by the government. You know, we were on yeah. welfare, but guess what? My mom still worked because she yeah. needed the extra money, the like yeah. extra 120 bucks you get from WIC or whatever it is. Like we couldn't live off Or just off like of some, that. the food stamps. The like food just stamps. That was, the food stamps gave us food. And my also mom's like job the big, gave sorry, us work. The big my lie. Mom, yeah. Sorry, the big lie is that, you know, more white people are actually on no, it, right. on subsidized um, plans than than, black, than people it's of color. True. It is very true. And, and also <laughs> a lot of families like my mom had to work really hard because she had been stigmatized, right? That mm -hmm. being on welfare meant something like she was like, I can't do that. Like in her mind, she probably could have used the help, mm -hmm. you know, but was like, no, I'm not going to take it. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do this. So because she felt the stigma, like it's just like when we go to a restaurant and it's like, even if we get shitty service, we're gonna have to tip 25%, right, right. you know what I mean? Cause I don't want mm -hmm. anyone to think that like oh, we black don't people tip. are cheap or whatever the, the hell they think, you know? So it's a very, it's a very odd thing, but I think that, you know, I'm very, in, in a lot of ways, I'm very, I'm very annoyed that it's taken 
this level you know i mean we were we were as a broadway body we were even protesting when trayvon martin was killed and and you know no one was really taking notice then um i mean people talked about it but it was not like this okay we got to figure out some legislation we gotta but like this moment for whatever reason you know things are happening they're not happening good enough they're not happening fast enough and always the months between march and october are it's killing season for black people it was, the, the numbers the numbers have already gone up so far and and as we see like america's obviously getting back to being america because we have all these mass shootings mm -hmm. um but i think that i think that like we needed this collective movement we needed to see bodies together we needed to see that whilst we were in isolation mm -hmm. to show that nothing is more indomitable than the human spirit and the, the the power of the people. And I think that the more we can continue to connect um, and be serving as bodies in this massive march for humanity, the better off we'll be. But now we're going to go back into work and we still have to hold that accountability for ourselves. And this is what, you know, there's a lot of drama around, you know, Broadway right now about Scott Rudin and all those stuff. And I'm like, Scott Rudin and the Scott Rudins of, of all industries, you know, the people who are assholes or bullies or whatever, th they exist everywhere. Mm -hmm. And it's up to us now to say, I stop this here. Mm -hmm. You know, it's also up to us to govern our perception of power. Do we think that people who are the loudest, angriest, roughest should get all the power? Because I think we've been conditioned to believe that. And people who are nice and sweet, we don't think they get anything done, right? We're like, they're pushovers. In our brains, we've been taught that this type of personality gets the thing done mm -hmm. and it's not now true. we have to shift it yeah we it's not it's and we have to shift true. it and yeah. that's the patriarchal like understanding right. of our of our nation and so we need to understand that the collaboration and listening and i mean i'm a i consider myself a boss like well, you KGB are. Productions, thank you. <laughs> you but, are but I'm also like, I also feel as though I can listen to people and take in what they say. And I'm also going to surround myself with people I respect and value. So if they're going to come at me with thoughts and opinions, I'm, I know that I'm talking to someone who is furthering the plot for me. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, I know that I'm talking to someone who may say something I don't like, but they're going to say it in a way that I can understand and hear and ingest and grow from. You know, I want to be around those people. I don't want to be around people who are either people pleasers or afraid of me or, you know, um, not going to tell me the truth. I want to be around people who are actually like, we're going to build this. Like, I like yes and people, mm -hmm. you know, and like, yes, and we're going to do this. Like, we're, you didn't think of this, so let's do this. And I want that in all of my relationships and all of my partnerships, like business or, or otherwise. But we have to take accountability on ourselves. We have to do the work first before we go into any of these spaces, Go going back to Broadway, going back to uh, the office, like whatever it is, we have to go in and make sure we're not toxic. Right. Well, and so, you know, which brings me to my, this question. So how, how have you gotten to this place? Because I, you know, I think for me, like it, I was a pushover. I was a people pleaser. I was all about like, let me just be safe. Let me be comfortable. Let me make white people comfortable. Let me just be the nice gay black guy so that I don't ruffle feathers. I don't do the thing. I sh I'm so lucky to be here and I'm working in entertainment. And I'm a manager and I work at this big place. I have all these clients. Like I need to just be, you like, know. Like thank you for allowing me to be here because yes. I'm black. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Oh my God, thank you so much. Oh, does, you know yeah. what I mean? And mm -hmm. you know, and 2020 was a reckoning for me personally mm -hmm. and professionally. I had, I had a moment where I was like, I was like, fuck it, I'm done. This is not happening. I'm no longer right. making you feel comfortable 
so that mm-hmm. I can exist. I'm no longer letting my existence justify your ignorance. Like, oh, you have a mm-hmm. black employee. Oh, you have a black gay employee. So you can no longer. That's not the case. That's not happening. You know, and that's where my joy came from when it when I started to speak up for myself. Yeah. And one of the things that I love about you and I've always loved about you is your strength and your voice. Uh, her singing voice is amazing. She's a Liza in oh, Hamilton on Broadway, <laughs> just so you know. Um, Liza! Um, yes, and I'm Peggy. <laughs> I always wanted to be Peggy because I'm just like, and Peggy. And Peggy. Uh, and Peggy. Um, but one of the things that I so admired is how you you showed the F up. Like I would like we were like literally on Instagram, like reposting mm-hmm. and posting each other like nonstop. Yeah. Because you were like, we I were. mean, you really found your voice. And not mm-hmm. and I mean like really found it and like created a movement. Like you really mm-hmm. stood up. And I was so proud of you because like as a black woman on Broadway in the theater, in this industry, it, it is even harder. Because you are instantly labeled a diva, difficult, angry, you know, whatever it is. And you used mm-hmm. all of all of what is strong about black women and black people is that as black people, we have endured for so long. We have survived for so long that there is truly nothing you can take away from us. Do you know what <laughs> I mean? Like there's yeah. nothing you can take away from us. You can try you can set all the systems in place. Reinforce all the stereotypes, all the systems. But at the end of the day, you cannot take away who we are at our core, and that it and mm. and who we are at our core is what is also being taken advantage of. Is the strength and power that we have, and because we have been so strong, and because we have survived so much, and because we have endured, we get looked over. Mm. We're not mm-hmm. always mistreated. We're looked mm. over because oh she'll be fine. Oh he'll be fine. Oh they've oh, gone yeah. through worse. Mm-hmm. And that is the narrative. Oh, they're so strong. Oh, they're so strong. I'm resilient. so sick of, and I, and again, mm-hmm. and I love that I'm strong and I'm resilient, but that is because I've had to be, we've had to be strong and resilient yeah. and yeah. better than, and more than. We've had to be yeah. more educated, more talented, <laughs> more this, Exceptional. More, exceptional. We've had to be exceptional to be, to have a fighting chance against the mediocrest white person in our industries of any mm. industry. Like I've had to fight harder than anyone to get an assistant job Mm. to just answer the phone. I need to be exceptional to answer the phone. But this white dude here, this white girl just gets ushered into the room. She's never, she's out of college, has never done anything, but she is more valuable than me who worked in this and done this and did this, but she gets the job. Right. And then she gets fired and then I get hired and all of a sudden it's like, oh, my God, you're so great. No, I'm not so great. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> she just was a moron. <laughs> uh, uh. You know what I mean? Like, oh, my God, Crystal, she's so amazing. Yeah, she is. But she's also talented. And a, like she isn't better than her. She's mm. just amazing at what she does. And you now think she's better than because what you had was mediocre. But if right. you just hired her from the from the jump, <laughs> <laughs> do you know what yeah. I mean? Like diversity, yeah. diversity, diversity. Oh my God, they're so great. They're so talented. No, 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 no. They're just talented. They're we're not so talented. We're not more talented. We're just talented. And yeah. because you're now 
giving us, and I'm air quoting, giving mm-hmm. us an opportunity, mm-hmm. you're now blown away. Like I grew up watching wow. black mm-hmm. TV. I grew Me up too. Watching like I had only I was 13 before I ever met a white person. Do you know what I mean? And for yeah. 13 wow. years, like I saw myself on TV. I saw Different World, Cosby Show, Facts of Life, What's Family Happening, matters. Family Matters. Like I saw all the, sh- I saw all those shows, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden it's like we need more diversity. We need the oh my, it's like it's always been there. Yeah, it's always been there. And so I go back to this, this, I go back to you, and like what I love about you is that from the jump, from being an assistant and you being a client. And being, I think at the time, like maybe one of the only black actors mm. at the time on that list. And I remember like being like, but like, why isn't she going out more? Like, why isn't she, you know what I mean? And no offense to who no. represented you and, you know, yeah. but it was just like, come on. like Yeah, it's funny because I, you know, I've been around a long time. I, I graduated early. Um and uh, I graduated college at 19. So I was like out in the streets, like trying to get a job, <laughs> like quick, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and I went to college. So I'm originally from Virginia, Alexandria, Virginia, right outside of DC. And then I went to my last years of high school in Los Angeles, actually. But I knew in my heart, like New York was where I wanted to be. I knew I wanted to do Broadway from a very early age. I knew I wanted theater. I fell in love with rent and it made me believe that like you can tell stories that are so deep and so personal and also, you know, so full of life while talking about death. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, 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 that was the musical that got me into musical theater and made me believe that I could do this. And so I was like, I gotta move to New York. I gotta live in Alphabet City. I gotta be like, you know, a go-go dancer. <laughs> I gotta do all this. I gotta, I gotta be Mimi so that I can be Mimi. Mm-hmm. I was very like Meisner, very method. Um, and so I, you know, my first job was touring the National Tour of Rent, and um, and I learned a lot on tour, you know, and I was like basically a child, and it was really hard, but it really rewarding in a lot of ways. And um, but like I've I've just been here for a minute, and I people, I you know, I I listen to these people now that are like, we got to do this, and we got to change this and this. I'm like, you guys have no idea how much it's changed. <laughs> like, you have no idea how mm-hmm. much it's changed since like. 2005, mm-hmm. 15 years, like it has changed dramatically in the last six years. I mean, and I do think that Hamilton is a big part of that, mm-hmm. but I also think Fast and Furious is a big part of that. <laughs> yes. Um, in a, you know, in a weird way, because people look at the numbers mm-hmm. and they see, oh my gosh, we have all these varied size bodies and colored mm-hmm. bodies and people mm-hmm. really like that money. Like, 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 like that. They They'll bring pay in for money. That. You know, yeah, I they think, bring I think in the Tyler most Perry money. also has a big, had a big part in that. Like yeah. he changed the game. They mm-hmm. didn't think, or they is, you know, the system didn't think that black movies made money. Right. And he's making movies about like Medea. Like he is, yeah. you know what I mean? And like, it's millions of dollars. Yeah. And, like, and I think that, and people, but like, I, I love like people when they're like mid twenties now or something that are like, well, you know, it's all racist and like, it's all this. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. Like, trust me, I agree. We have a long ways to go, but boy, oh boy, has it changed. Mm -hmm. Like, boy, oh boy, has like I. I mean, I've done Broadway shows where I was the only black person. I have done shows where, and and people also. That's also a complicated thing, being the only black person, being the token, Mm -hmm. and having other black people think. 
oh, well, they're chosen Chosen. and they want to be in this this situation. Mm -hmm. They're profiting off of being the only black person or Mm -hmm. being the assimilated black person or being this type of black that white people don't can can stomach or whatever. And I'm like, and I'm like, honey, it is lonely. Mm -hmm. It is very lonely. Mm -hmm. And I am running to my people of color friends and my friends who get me to like have nourishment from these spaces that feel very um, e- exclusive that I'm like just playing a part in so that I can be a part of an optic illusion for them, yeah. you know, and it doesn't feel good, you know? And so I think that that also caused like a little bit of a divide in the Broadway community because I wasn't a person who was doing a lot of technically black shows. And, and so I wasn't like the go and I'm not like, I consider myself, I consider myself an actor on pitch. Okay. Like I am not Amber Amon. Okay. Like I am not, a, I am not Cynthia Revo, Riff Ritha. Like I am, I, you're going to come to the show. You're going to see me tell the story and, and hopefully it'll sound pleasant, you know, but I'm really <laughs> telling you the story with what I'm doing. Um, and, and so I, that's what I consider myself, you know, and, and I, I like the purity of stories because I love words. I love writing. I love giving, especially when it's genius writing, I don't have to do much, you know? Um, but what you do is amazing, and let 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 it be known, she can no. sing. Th- thank you. <laughs> but thank you're right. You. you are you you. I want to go back to this because I relate to this. Yeah. The, being Please. the only one in the room is mm. it is not a privilege. No, it is not it's not a fun privilege. To, it is not fun to be the and only also black a lot person. of times you don't know that you're going to be the only black person. You don't yeah. get the roster before you walk in the room and you're like. Oh, oh, fuck. Yes. <laughs> they did You're it like, to me again. God damn it. Now I got to sit here and endure the like black this and this and that. And well, I'm not and you're not and we're not. And it's like, I have to sit here every week, meeting after meeting after meeting and justify my existence. Yeah. Or I, or, or I get watch called, myself get erased. Or watch myself get erased. I watch my, I'm in a room just shrinking. Yeah. Just shrinking. I'm being diminished at every, and not even intentionally. No, I no, just no, no, don't no. matter. No. I was hired. Yes, I was hired. I got the job. That's great. But the reality oh is that, like, that was the easiest part. Yep. The easiest the part. Enduring is the enduring of this <laughs> is the worst it's part. It's the worst part. And it's and it's usually, I say usually because it's not always the case, but it's usually not malicious. Yeah. It's, but well, it's, it's, it, it's not. It's just an afterthought. And, it's an afterthought. And I did a show where I was one of the main characters. There was like, it was a family show, like a, a show about a family. And I was married to a white man and I was the wife of this white man and white family. And it's the show starts off on our wedding and they put the one like mixed dish person in a cummerbund and a waiter's outfit. And so I was like, so I have no black family. Mm-hmm. And um, and then we did a Vanity Fair shoot and I was cropped out. You saw my leg. You saw like a brown leg and mm-hmm. That was me. And um, and I was like, I was taken out of all, like the, there was a billboard that we shot for, for Times Square. I was not in that. When it was supposed to be about the four of us and they took me out. And I was just like, whoa, you know, like this is very odd. Um, and it hurt so much and I had no one to tell that to. And I had no one to share that with because then, especially other actors and I'm like, I. I'm, they're like, well, you're just, you're lucky that this is your third Broadway show. Like this is, you, stop complaining. And I'm like, I'm not, I'm not ungrateful, but it's just, and people think that I'm, you know, I'm winning and I mm-hmm. feel alone. Mm-hmm. And it's like, there's not, mm-hmm. it doesn't feel great because I'm not, I, once again, I can't really share it with anyone. And I'm not, 
I had an experience where we were in tech rehearsal and one of the actors said, one of these things does not belong here. One of these things is not the same. I will never forget that moment. And it hurt me so bad because I was just like, I did, couldn't stand up for myself. I couldn't say anything. I just walked away. I was just so mortified and I didn't know how to process that. And, and I think like, my role as quote unquote an, an activist or you know in this day and age of being an artist and an activist is i know that some people are exhausted by telling white people how to to understand the ados experience or the black experience i know a lot of people are angry and don't want to do it i open my dm box to those people mm -hmm. that are mm -hmm. confused and curious because and i make myself available to those conversations because Every, every part of the fight is necessary. Mm -hmm. We need some of those people who are like, I am not talking to white people about this mm -hmm. and I'm not explaining racism to them. And we need some people who are like, I'm going to be that bridge yep. and I'm going to have a conversation mm -hmm. with you so you can actually understand that this is not a, from a place of anger. Mm -hmm. It is actually from a place of absolute pain. Mm -hmm. And you need to see my humanness by understanding my vulnerability and my pain by being looked over or passed over or the black option mm -hmm. or you know like which is so much in this industry like we the character was written white but crystal oh. is kind of like crystal nebulous is the, crystal is the brown white person that's what yeah, that is and, and that, and that and makes me feel horrible it is. but like it is also, a horrible feeling but it is constantly what it what I am. And I but what I've all always why I think I've also become that person is and I'm very aware of my blackness and my Puerto Ricanness and my Native Americanness. I'm very aware of it. But I also think that my blackness and I am pro black. I don't don't care what it, like just before I say this, my being black is the smallest part of me. Mm hmm. It is the most basic part of me mm -hmm. that I am so transcendent and there's so much more about me that is so much more fascinating than the fact that environmentally speaking, the people that I am descendant of weathered more sunlight. You know, mm -hmm. like yeah. it doesn't, that is it. I, we are products of our environment. There's nothing else. We've done so much scientific study on how every race is different or if, if any race could be different, we are all the exact same. The fact that our color is different is because of our environments. Mm -hmm. The fact that a person's eyes are shaped a certain way is because of their environment. It has nothing to do with anything else. And the moment we can evolve beyond this narrative of like brown and da da da. Now being a descendant of slavery is something else. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Yep, but talking about my color is like just the most dumbest, most basic thing to me that I'm just kind of like, really? That's what interests you? Yeah. It's like, like I, I have I have a full brain of, of experiences mm -hmm. and and wins and losses and all this other stuff I can share. Yeah. And when I'm chanting Black Lives Matter, I just am like, this is so ridiculous yeah. that I have to say something that seems so tiny. Right but means everything it means everything and and what's what's really interesting about that is just like matter is the minimum we're not even mm. we're we haven't begun to ask for yeah. what we actually want and deserve, deserve right yeah we're just going for the bare minimum of like yeah our lives matter that's just like the minimum all we're asking is to matter at this point yeah we haven't even gotten to like, well, I want this, and we need none of that has even been discussed. Yeah. And well, already, people are terrified of reparations. That yes. word is very scary. Yeah. Um, 
But so it's also, I, you like, know, reparations is just like for me, reparations is as simple as recognizing my existence. Just mm-hmm. saying to me, Johnny, I see you. I'm, yeah. I don't want to hear I don't see color. I don't want to hear we're all the same. I don't want to hear I love you. Mm-hmm. No, I want you to hear I love y'all. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, I know you love yeah. me because Like, I, you're non-threatening. Yeah, you're great. I, yeah, of course you love me. Like, I'm your friend and I'm da-da-da-da yeah. and I'm your, the magical Negro and all of that. I need you to love us. Yeah, and when a group know, of black people are around that you're not like, oh, you know oh, what I mean? Okay, I need okay. you to recognize that like th- more than b- three black people is not a gang. <laughs> <laughs> we're not a gang. We're just hanging out. Do you know what I mean? What are three white people? What is that? What are three Asian people? What are three, oh you know, God. Puerto yeah. Rican, Latinx, like Middle Eastern, like it, like, but yeah. three black people, it's a gang. Three black guys walking yeah. on the street. Oh, that's a gang. No, those are three friends about to go to fucking brunch at yeah. the Ivy or whatever, but that's not a gang. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, and that's what's so, I tell my white friends is like, what you don't understand is yes, you love me, but America does not. Mm-hmm. Because when I walk down the street, they don't know that that's Johnny, just Johnny Joy. That's not mm-hmm. manager, agent Johnny. That's not black gauge. That is just a black man walking down the street in a hoodie. Yeah. That is what I am. I mean, and like, I mean, Elijah, right? Elijah McClain yeah. um, really was trying to ta- humanize himself. Of he was course. like, I I have these, you know, these issues Jeez. and I wouldn't hurt a fly. And I'm, this is like, he was trying to explain how his humanity whilst being murdered. Murdered, right. You know, it's- and- and it's just like that is such a terrifying thought. I mean, let alone that people, you know, black people or people of color, Asian people, we all have to start going back into the workforce after all of this mm-hmm. hate and mm-hmm. violence. Mm-hmm. It's a terrifying place. It's a, it's terrifying, a terrifying place for people to to walk into these spaces. I mean, a, a nail salon, a yoga right. studio, yeah. a church. How a, do we reconcile you know, it, all of what we've just yeah. experienced this last year and go into spaces with yeah. people that we know? in the past have been very problematic. Yeah. You know, and I, how do well, I it all, we have to create those safety nets for ourselves and we have to create those safe spaces and know that, you know, once I looked at those numbers of the election, I was like, that is way too close. That, you way, know, too close. that is way, way too, close. too close. And I realized like, wow, I need to hold those ones dear. Mm-hmm. And I've always had um, a really close relationship to death. Mm-hmm. I talk about this a lot, um, but I, I lost my father when I was really young. I was five years old and also being sober and all of these people dying, I had, and also in this year of a lot of death and grief, I'm just like, it motivates me to live, like mm-hmm. to live fuller, mm-hmm. to live like more joyously, more in my body, more like more love, more connectivity, more conversations. Um, you know, another thing that I did we're talking about race and coming back into work was I helped co-create and, and be a part of this thing that we started at Hamilton called Hamilton Racial Justice Task Force, AKA now Ham for Progress on IG. And it was in July and we had, you know, we had an, like an election um, because Liberty is democratic and we had an election in each company, okay. um, <laughs> each company, you know, elected two people from the five North American companies. And we came together as cast and crew and our general managers and Lynn, uh, Luis Miranda and, uh, and Jeffrey Sellers and came together and started talking about how we can impact our communities during this time and how we can come, how we can also use this massive brand mm-hmm. of Hamilton that obviously already has all of these different types of people. We have a lot of AAPI um, 
siblings in our cast. We have a lot of black people, obviously. Mm-hmm. Hamilton is based off black culture and made its billions off of being a rap musical that was adapted by non-black people, right? Mm-hmm. So the giving back and the understanding of like, wait, we need to show, we can show up in a better way. And so it started off with a lot of voting rights things and we were working with vote writers and moveon.org and all these other organizations until freedom. And um, and then we had to also look inwards and mm. we had to say mm. as a company, you know, we have problems with our wigs and our hair and our shoes and we see disparities in our pay and blah, 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 blah. We want a third party HR person. We want these certain things. Mm. and. Hamilton had to really come to terms like some people really called them out in a very intense way and we would sit together every single week we come together this is something that people don't know is that we come together every week we have we have organizations upon organizations we amplify businesses after businesses um to give them what they need and right now we're doing a scholarship program with Gilder Lerman and uh we're just doing so much behind the scenes but we're also trying to hold our our producers accountable to us as the performers and the actors. Mm-hmm. And and they have been, I've never seen all the five Broadway shows I've been in. First time I've seen my producers cry mm. as they listen to us feel our feelings, holding space after Derek, uh, the, the Derek Chauvin trial, we made sure that we held space and we brought, we were like, if you guys wanna come to the Zoom, we can all just sit and talk after the George Floyd, we had a Zoom where we could all sit and talk and just however long you wanted to be there, whoever wanted to say something could say something, share. During all of the AAPI like hate, we had a Zoom where we brought them on so that we could figure out how we can most impact the community and make them feel not only as a cast supported, but who, who what doctors do we need? What resources do we need for you guys to feel as though we see you and we support you. And all month long, we've done something every single day to honor AAPI heritage as well as mental health awareness. So we're creating spaces and it's not perfect. It's it's growing. We're going to be figuring it out. And people say, well, Hamilton, Hamilton can do it because it's it's an, uh, a big brand and they have so much money. And I'm like, everything we've done, getting Amanda Gorman to speak on our Joy in Our Voices um, uh, Black History Month event, that was free. She gave of her time. People are willing to give of their time when they feel like the intention is good. I'm not getting paid to do the ham for progress. I volunteer my time, my resources to call people and try to get people. We, as a company, called every single person in our company to see if they voted or had a voting plan. Mm -hmm. That was something that we created to do. You know what I mean? That's free. So other companies can do that. And it's volunteer work. And also, anyone can do that. Do you know what I yeah. mean? Like, and that's the thing that I think is so Im- important to 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 hammer down on is that you mm-hmm. know, like, justice is free. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, fighting equality is free. It is mm-hmm. just it is one person talking to another. It is me, like you. It's like you and me opening our DMs to non-black people and answering. And saying, a hey, you have hey, questions. You have a question? Sure. Like, I am not. I'm. I am not. Again, I am not that black person that is like, I'm not doing this with white people. I've done it. I'm not doing that. Right. Because I know for, that is not authentic to who I am. That's not authentic to what I've become in this last year. Yeah, Like same. I've become an open book for my life, for my recovery, for my freedom, for my joy. I'm, you can't keep it if you don't give it away. 
Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I can't keep yeah. joy if I don't give it away. It is not yeah. a possession. Joy is not a possession. Equality is not a possession. Like it is not something that I own for myself and I can't. It's like, no, like it is free no. for all of us. Yeah, it is free for all of us. Because how do and you I feel learn like- if you don't if you don't ask, like the more you know. So like, how is a white person supposed to know what's offensive to a black person if they can't ask anyone? Yeah, if oh, they can't just, ask anyone, just Google it. then you're shutting it down. You're, shutting, you're shutting, it shutting them or, down. Well, they can just and look it up. And there's no understanding. There's, yeah, it's like, th- you can just look it no. up. Well, I can look up a ton of things that aren't real, that aren't true mm-hmm. about black people, about white people, about Asian people. Why not go to the source? And I don't speak for all black people. I speak no. for myself and I speak for my lived experience. And yeah, and, and your I've, experiences. And my, mm-hmm. I've lived a long mm-hmm. life. I, I've lived mm-hmm. being black for 37 years. I know mm-hmm. enough about being yes. black to answer questions. And if I don't know, I go, oh, you know what? Like, I don't really know that. But like, maybe yeah. you can. and again, I'm not even ashamed or embarrassed as a black person to say, I don't know everything about black people and about black history and about black nope. culture and literature. Yeah. I don't know everything. I'm taking an African-American literature class right now and I'm mm. learning stuff every week that I didn't know about. I'm learning the history behind the blues and behind vernacular Mm, and behind- That's so beautiful. You know what I mean? It's it's amazing to really understand, you know, like Alice Walker and Frederick Mm. Douglass and like why they started and slave narrative Mm. and all of these things are like, we didn't learn as kids because no one was teaching us that. So it's not, it is not your fault that you Mm. didn't learn about this. It is the system's fault. But what is your fault is being unwilling to learn today. Today, yeah. you can learn. Hello. <laughs> like, you can learn everything you need to know today. You have the yeah. mental faculty and facilities to learn it. So don't tell me, I, ignorance is no longer bliss. I yeah. will say that. Ignorance no, is just ignorance It's at just this ignorant. Point. At this point, if you don't know, that is a choice. If there you are don't so many people that out there that are willing to is, talk to you. Yeah. I'm like, if you mm-hmm. don't know that saying N-word is inappropriate, I don't know where the F you've been living. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, you're still like, oh, I didn't know. I'm sorry. It's 2021. How do you not know? As a as a boss, as an employer, well, I didn't know that I couldn't. Do- I'm sorry. Why? What do you mean? Why didn't you know that? Why didn't like, How? How? <laughs> you own a company. Yeah. You own mm-hmm. a company. How did you not know that? Right. And it is training, though. It is mm-hmm. It is us. I have to learn, too, to be a better ally. And it's not even um, uh, Tamika Maori. I was doing this interview on Cheddar TV, and Tamika Maori was, like, before me. And I was listening to her, like, as I always listen to her. Mm-hmm. And she was, she said, there's an ally, and then you, there's an ac- accomplice. Mm-hmm. And she's like, ally is like, oh, I'm not going to go to the family dinner where, um, where my family is racist and they're backwards and blah, blah. I'm not going to go there. I'm going to like protest by removing myself from that space. She's like, an accomplice is a person who goes to that space and has those confrontational conversations and stands in their um, accountability and their their belief system and will go through it. So an ally, it's like nice. You're kind of like, oh, great. you know. And it changed my opinion about them. I'm like, am I an accomplice? I want to be an accomplice to, right. to being anti-racist. Yeah. I want to be an, an, I want to be an accomplice to protecting trans rights. I want to be an accomplice to even protecting my own black rights, of right? Of course, yeah. I don't want to just be an ally who's mm-hmm. like, well, I'm going to remove myself from these narratives or mm-hmm. I think that's a, a cop out. You it know is. what I mean? I'm like, no, you got to go. You got to go to those family functions and you got to be that stand in that and go, I am 
this person. And I mean, not to, t- if you, if you're going to tear yourself down, I'm not saying to do that. Like if it's like too much amuse- emotional abuse, I'm not saying that, but if you can stand in your power and be like, you can't say racist things around me. Mm-hmm. I think that's what a true, that is a true like ally. to be anti-racist. Yeah. yeah. That's a, that's a true ally where you're like these types of things. You can't talk, you can't be anti-Semitic around me. You can't say, Oh, that person just Jewed me. You know, like, no, you can't you say can that, that in front of me. Yeah. Oh my, Yeah. Like, Wow, I have a lot of friends that said in New Zealand who were like, I was like, you guys are so anti-Semitic. I had no idea. <laughs> anyway, but I digress. But like, you know, and sometimes you have to come to your corporations, to your bosses, to your leaders and present ideas that maybe they can implement. And you have to say it in a tone that sometimes is devoid of emotion. Of course. That's just kind of like fact. And I, I like to, to I'm a business person and I'm just like, if you, if you, if you, and I, I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I know I'm going to be a producer someday. So I'm like, I look at everything like through the lens of making money and, all, you know, as well as making safe spaces. Cause I know I want to protect both sides. So I'm like, if you create this space, you will not have these negative outcomes. You will have people feeling safe and you won't get medium posts about the hatred that happened. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? You won't get these press events where people are like, this is what happened to me at, at Hamilton or whatever. And I'm like, and also, and it'll that'll click to them, and then what? It's like a psychic psychic reaction that happens, course, where it's like, yeah. oh, well, well, we'll do this because I don't want to have that happen. But then, right. when they're sitting in the room of training and learning, they're actually being re- reworked on as well because they hadn't experienced this type of thing, and they're like, well, geez, I want to do this from here on out and create this safe space. Look, I'd spend an hour and a half listening to an AAPI, a mental health doctor about what hate does to the brain, body, and to communities and the division of minorities. And I just learned something. And like, you can't unlearn these things. You know what I mean? So even like tricking them, like tricking your people into coming with you and being like, it's a good business move. I mean, basically it's just ideal if you just do this and you know, people will be happy with it, who cares? But secretly you're changing hearts and minds Mm -hmm. and you're actually doing that work in a way that's like, deep and 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 we all have to stand in it we all have to be like active participants in it but also we have to make sure that once again we are not toxic i couldn't be here today feeling how i felt if i were still in my own toxicity if i were still not able to process my grief or my rage or my anger or my frustration i wouldn't be able to have the conversations with people that i need to have i wouldn't be able to lovingly let someone be themselves over there while i not wait but like enjoy my life mm-hmm. and enjoy our relationship and knowing them while they're figuring their stuff out. You know what I mean? No, of like, course. Yeah. All of these things. And I realized for me getting through the pandemic, uh, even though I was pivoting and hustling and doing like corporate events and everything and auditioning still, I being of service, which is also another tenet of, of, of sobriety, being of service helped my mental health. When going out and, and feeding the food insecure during the pandemic, going out and just being there of service, going out protesting or creating the rally for freedom or whatever it was to be of service took me out of my own little box where I was obsessing about my own shit. Like, where am I going to live? What's my dog going to eat? How are we going to do this? You know, are my eggs rotting in my body? Whatever, you know, like all the stupid stuff that like repeats in your head as you're sitting alone for 24 hours a day. When I could go out, even if it was just, I'm going to send $25 to moveon.org or swing left or swing from home. I'm going to, I'm going to like take a little chunk of whatever and, and send it to somebody or donate, you know, just the moments I could get out of myself and give, I was better. 
I think that if I hadn't have, and maybe if we hadn't have had the social justice reckoning, right? If we hadn't have had these things happen where people started being like, we got to give, we got to raise money, we got to do, we got to get out there and help other people, maybe our mental health would have been worse, you know? And, and people who didn't see outside of themselves are probably really struggling still and are going to struggle to to reconnect. I think you're absolutely right. I think this this last year and a half would have been completely different for all of us if we hadn't had the reckoning that we had mm. with George Floyd. Mm-hmm. I mean, at the end of the again, mm-hmm. you know, going back to George Floyd, like George Floyd was like a, a massive reckoning and not only for black people, but mm. also for moms, right? Mm-hmm. Because he called out right. for his mom and that was a call right. to action for every single mom in the world. I remember right. hearing white women say, I've never heard, I would be livid if I heard my son calling out for me. And I knew that my son before he di- mm-hmm. bef- that was calling out for me before he died. Like, I think before that really murdered. was what opened the world up. Because you, you you have to think about, like, as a parent, your son is out there somewhere. And and even white, I heard white parents and even just, like, non-black parents say, I never once thought about my son being unsafe when they leave my house. I never mm. think about it. When I tell my son, be safe, like, I'm just flippantly saying that because I'm a mom and I want my son to be safe. But I never thought about, well, what if my son, this happened or that happened or whatever. And so mm-hmm. I think what happened was we as a people, we as a world started to, to finally see the injustices of the world. We finally started to see the right. world that we live in. Like you said, when you listen to the AAPI, mm. you know, doctor for an hour, you, and I've always told people, you can't unknow what you know. Once you mm-hmm. saw George Floyd, you can't unsee that. No, no. You can't unthink about, you can't sit for nine. Breonna th- Taylor, Breonna Taylor, in her bed. like in her bed, mm-hmm. like think about like, oh, I could be sleeping and be shot or think about, Put the timer on for nine minutes and just mm. sit for nine minutes and think about the fact that you are being mm. strangled for nine mm. minutes. You cannot, you cannot say I'm a human being and mm. not be affected by that. You can't. Yeah. And and I mean, and our next evolution, yeah, our next evolutionary step, I think, is to tr- to achieve true empathy. Empathy, right? Like, think about. It's not even about like. It's empathy. Like, just think mm-hmm. about another person. How mm-hmm. would you feel if that were your X A B C D? What would yeah. you do if that happened to you? And 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 think about like as a woman, like think about women's rights and how those are still evolving. You know what I mean? Look, uh, yeah. Think about it from that perspective. I mean, if, the if, level if, of abortion you know laws I mean? and and are, are going crazy it's right insane. now. I mean, and it's like if you can't relate to a black person and what a black person is going through, fine. But think about as a woman what women mm. have had to go through. Think about what your ancestors had to go through to get to yeah. where they are. It, it Even is, your ancestors that, if you're, a, if you're a white person, your ancestors that migrated here, what yeah, they were leaving, they were leaving why they, they were leaving. Why they left. Yeah. You know, and it's um, like- it's, a, it's so many things. It's, and, I think if we, and I think if we weren't in a pandemic, it would have been very different. It would have been mm-hmm. very different in, in ways that like, I don't even want to think about because I think about those moments in the beginning where I was so angry that I could not be around my white coworkers or my white mm. friends. Do you, do you right. um, imagine yeah. being yeah. at work when George Floyd happened, no. when Ahmaud no. Arbery happened, when Elijah McClain happened? <sighs> you know, like think no. about the fact no. that we were so, we were able to process and grieve yes. in our own way. However we, however wanted, we to. wanted to. Yeah. And, and, I watched the the Derek Chauvin uh, trial 
ver- like the verdict come yeah. out with a, a on a Zoom with a, with friends because I yeah. needed support. Need it, we need and support. And what if I, I was doing a show, a show you know, and I was go- the and they were audience. like, so Derek Chauvin, you know, like think it about was just the audience. crazy. You on stage, like literally having to perform, knowing all of what's going on. Think right. about all the people who would have been at work when when all of these things happened. You know, so like I think. You know, this year has given us all the opportunity to really search within ourselves, to ask ourselves, what do I need to do to be a better human being? I don't need Mm. you to be an ally. I don't need you to be an accomplice. I don't need you to be a supporter. I need you to take care of you, please. Please. I need you to be a human being. Step one. Step one. What? Put on your own mask. Yes. Put on your own mask and ask yourself, how can I truly be of service to other people? You know, am I racist? Where am I racist? Am I anti-trans? Am I I homophobic? Like, am I any of these things? And these are and these are just human facts. These are human, right? Like, and there's no shame. No shame. Listen, we've all been indoctrinated into a certain type of learning how to properly use pronouns now. Because if you think about it, look, I learned he, she, him, her as a kid in kindergarten, preschool. I didn't learn they, them. I didn't learn we, the, the. I didn't learn that. So Same. I'm not, I'm not ignorant. I'm not being ignorant when I'm, if I'm misu- misusing a pronoun, yeah. I'm still learning, but I yeah. also want the dignity of my own experience. I want you right. to give me the dignity of the experience of like learning. I'm not transphobic yeah. because I don't know your pronoun. You're not transphobic yeah. or you're not, you know, racist if you don't know the nuances and the intricacies yeah. of like, do black I prefer African-American or, or black? Or <laughs> I prefer you to treat me with respect. Some and, people, value, and I will tell it. you, I prefer black. I am black because mm-hmm. I didn't grow up with the African experience. Right. So that's why I don't consider myself African-American. Oh, I like that. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't mm. have the African experience. My, I didn't grow up with that. My mom, mm. my grandmother, my like none of them had the African experience. So I don't consider Same. myself African-American in 2021. I consider Same. myself black. I've always I get that. been black, right? Like I, yeah. I have the black experience. Would you consider yourself black American or just black? I'm just black and I'm an American. Yeah. But like, yeah. you know, like I'm a, I'm a, I, yes, I can be a black American to a European person because mm-hmm. they're European and I'm American, but I'm, right. black. I'm a black yeah. man in America. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I'm a mm-hmm. black queer man. I'm a black gay man. I'm, mm-hmm. but at the end of the day, like I, I'm a human being. Yeah, hap- I was born. And the black. end, and the <laughs> end, you transcend all of that. I transcend and, all of that. Like because, I'm a human because being. <laughs> in the end, your spirit, you know, whatever, you know, whatever people believe, like y- this is just the casing, you yeah. know, like yeah. of of like, this I really just, this infinite beautiful like. thing. Yeah, this is just of like what this I look like. brilliant spirit that's actually inside. That that's the part that matters. Yeah. And what I think people are trying to say, especially when we're marching and chanting "Black Lives Matter," is like because my spirit, my humanity, my my essence matters. It's not that my skin matters. Matter. It's the life. It's, it's the, the life inside of the of be, the casing that matters. I want to be known as a joyous, happy, and free person. Yeah, hell yeah. My you know middle name mean? is Joy, honey. Middle, which I mean, Crystal Joy Brown. <laughs> <laughs> my full name is Crystal Noel Joy Ginger Brown. Stop it. Yeah. So my grandparents like named me Noel Joy. My mom named me Ginger. My dad named me Crystal. And my birthday is December 22nd. So it was like Christmas, 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 Christmas. Brown. Yes. You are literally <laughs> and, the epitome of joy. Yeah. But like, I have to say, I, I really truly experienced pure joy a few years ago. It was like, and it was quick mm-hmm. and it was like magical. I don't know what I was doing. It was like basic boots. It was like nothing amazing. And I just had this overwhelming 
warmth and sense of like love from nowhere. I wasn't being hugged. I wasn't, I don't even know if I was truly like with anyone. I think I was maybe just standing in the presence of now and feeling just overwhelmed with gratitude and and forgiveness and love. And it was quick. And then it was like, oh, it like passed through me like a big surge of bliss. And then it was like, oh, and I was like, oh my God, that's what I'm chasing. Mm -hmm. That that's what I'm chasing. And I and I found it in the middle of the day, completely sober, doing nothing really. And I just was enveloped by the potential and the love of this world and the love that actually has surrounded me and coursed through me through ancestors and all of this other stuff and and people that support me. And I just felt it all for one minute maybe, you know, and it was so overwhelming and I cried. And then I just like, was like, okay, that's, that's what I want. And so for me now being present is everything being present with people, my time is the only thing I cannot get back. I will can lose money and gain money all the time. And I will always, you know, that's just how the world works. But to actually be able to like, <laughs> to actually be with someone and look in their eyes and sit with them and, and, and connect on a deep level and be like, I'm here for you. I'm here for your story. I'm here for your energy. And then when I'm not, I can go, not for me, you know what yeah, I mean? But like what I'm loving is like allowing people to to be around me and feel that presence, which can be pretty intense, but it's also like real. It's honest. It's vulnerable. It's like raw and it's way more fun because you get to be honest, you know, like that's a, another thing. It's just like there's a level of honesty in my life right now that I love. Like I want people to tell me what they feel, what's good, what's bad, like how how are they doing? Um, do they like the way I hug them or touch them? Do they like more touching? Do you like that? You know, I want to know how I can best service our relationship and also let you know that I'm really here dedicated to the time that we're spending together because you matter and I don't want to be everywhere at once. I want to be right where I am, which has changed my acting, which has changed the level of jobs I've gotten. I filmed two movies and am recurring on a TV show during the pandemic. Like how the hell did that happen? I did a voiceover job that stars A-Rod. Like I don't know how I managed to do this, but it was a lot of the, a lot of it was just me being more present and in love with myself, you know? That's and. It. That, I Me mean, being more connected with myself. But that's it. It's like we 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 as people like we're conditioned to look outside of everything mm, to mm -hmm. find the thing that's going to make us happy. It's the job. It's the money. It's the car. It's the house. No. It's none of that. That'll it's none all of that. go. Like because like you I, you can have it and then you can lose it. Mm -hmm. I thought again. I talk about this in my my first episode. Like I thought joy and happiness was the boy, the car, the job. I had all of those things and I was miserable. It wasn't oh, yeah. until I found and it wasn't until I stopped drinking and I you I found my voice as a black person, as a gay person, as mm. a human being in this last year that I found my mm. joy. And now yeah. since finding my joy, my life has flourished. Yeah, I've got absolutely all the things. I've got all the things. It's amazing, and, and it's it is, and it is, and I didn't do anything but exist and say present and be in the moment and have a conversation and, and listen and listen, and that is it. I have not done anything different in the last year. I didn't do anything different. I just stopped chasing money, property, and prestige because it will not Woo! bring you happiness. It won't. No. It is a byproduct of being happy. 
money, more money, more proceeds. problems, right? Yes. <laughs> but like all of the I mean, thing, all of that is a byproduct of me being happy and comfortable mm-hmm. and safe in my own existence and real and realistic about my own mental health that is not perfect. It's like, not. let's oh. be true. Like, oh, I mean, I, for me, I, they, I am not the uh, the perfect bill of mental health, right? No. <laughs> like, oh my God, no. I started going to therapy <laughs> at 23 years old. I was, you know, being a black woman and going to therapy that young. I honestly, it was one of my, my white girlfriend's amazing woman. And she was like, honey, I need a PhD to understand what is going on with you. And I think you should go see my therapy, the therapist. And I was like, what? I was like, I am a black woman. I don't, we, we don't pray do over that. it and let we it go. I'm from it. the South. We yep. pray me over too. it. We, we don't, pray over, we you call know, we're God. not going to, I'm not going to go to therapy. That's such a white thing to do. And people already think I speak too much with a standard American accent. I need to, I don't need to go around black people and be like, I also I am to- in therapy. They'll be like, God, that girl's so fucking white. Right. You know what I mean? Yep. So I'm like, thank God I went to therapy. Three months later, I was on Broadway. Because it's like three months because I started to work out this dump of stuff that I was like trauma sweeping under the rug, sweeping under the rug, just like going, okay, that's fine. Uh uh, keep going, keep going, keep moving, keep moving. Because that's what we're taught to do, especially as people of color, to keep moving forward. Like, okay, that that hard thing happened to you. Well, you got to keep going, girl. You know, brave man up, move on, keep you're strong, black woman. Do your thing. Yeah, we don't, we can. No, 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 no. I need to fall apart. Yeah, I need to break down. I need to process this grief, this emotion, this trauma, and then I need to go on. Like one of the things that I, for me, because I have like one of those brains that likes to play the tape over and over and over again of like where it all went wrong. So what I did when something bad would happen or I'd get bad news or I didn't get a job or whatever it was, I'd set a timer for how long I could bitch about it. Mm -hmm. And I'd be like, here's an hour. Like it started off with being like, I get an hour Mm -hmm. and I can call someone or I can just fume or I can just like whatever for an hour. And then it got to 30 minutes and then it was 15 minutes. And then, and then I was not even using the whole time anymore. And I didn't have to time myself. I could just be like, fuck, that sucks. It wasn't for me. It doesn't work. You know, the relationship and, and there will be waves. Like I feel like grief, like losing someone that doesn't go away. You know, um, you're just, you're just, you're changed. You're just ever changing. Grief is ever changing. Mm -hmm. It is not something there's no timer for grief there is no timer Mm -mm. for that that works with relationships like if you break up with someone or someone dies loss of a relationship of a job of a a want of Mm -hmm. an expectation of a need like all Mm -hmm. of that is the human experience like i think right we often try to like skip over our feelings you know yeah go straight to the wall i gotta i just i just gotta get over it and it's like no you've got to i'm gonna work through it or i'm gonna like i'm gonna distract myself through it live in you and i used to Mm -hmm. drink it over and sleep out sleep sleep it over boy Mm -hmm. and like now it's like I live that I let it go through me. I feel yeah. the feelings. And they're not yeah. pretty. It sucks. I, it sucks to be mad, yeah. and to be angry, and to be sad. But once you've walked through it, yeah, the then it's like it can't it doesn't have the power over me. I've, power. I've actually just become stronger. stronger. It's like when I I said to someone, I did another podcast recently and I said to someone and I liked this analogy that I made up, but I was like <laughs> it's like scar tissue, you know, like scars like you get a scar and like at first the skin is like really raw and you're like, "Oh no, I don't want anything to happen to it." And then all of a sudden the scar like like starts to heal, but it becomes this like extra tough skin. You're like, I don't understand why my skin got all extra tough here, but it does, you know, for some, some, you know, cuts and bruises, but the skin will get extra tough. And, and that's what I feel like 
trauma or pain or you know enduring is it's that skin gets tougher and you get stronger as you can put the scar on top of you and it's like a heal you've healed but you've healed stronger now well now it's you healed know you in can, a way that's you, like you can you're not broken right yeah like now we can stop saying well i'm broken you're not broken mm, yeah you're not broken no. broken is not a, a human ex is experience you know mm -mm. so for me it's like the more I walk through the pain, the more I walk through mm. the joy, the happiness, the sadness, the more I understand that feelings aren't facts. No, yeah. Right? Like I'm mad now. And the now more that you're allowed to live, like you're just, you allow yourself to be where you are. You know, like that's experience. that's an allowance. There's I'm no human, shame. I'm a human being, not a human doing. You know, the yeah. moment I stop feeling my feelings, I'm trying to that. do something. I'm trying mm -hmm. to like, and it's like, no, just be where you're at. Like, just, get over it. No, no there's no, there's no, no, no getting over no. it because you don't just get over be it. in it as you're being be in it for this moment. And it too shall it's not going to pass necessarily, but you will learn to to cope with it, yeah, to deal with it. Like, and something else is, will come up. Yeah. Being sad is not sad. Being yeah. OK is great. Oh, and <laughs> that's and, AJ. <laughs> Hi, AJ. He's like, I, he's like, hallelujah. Yeah. <laughs> he said being OK is OK. Preach on it. Mm -hmm. Um. Hey, Crystal, you're you amazing. I love you so much. This was amazing. I love you so, so much. I love you. Thank you so much for my pleasure. Sorry. having this AJ, conversation with me. Hold on one second. AJ, come here. Come here, buddy. Here. What? Take some treats. Okay. Oh, hush. <laughs> All right. I'll um, take that back a little. Yeah. Um, I don't even know what we're talking about, but let's close. Just you were saying thank you so much. Oh, yes. Oh, my God. Yeah. Crystal, thank you so much. Yes. I love you <laughs> so love you. much. This was this was amazing. Thank you for being my first guest. My pleasure. And uh, also, I want to tell your your audience, like, uh, a, a, a book that a friend recommended to me is Pleasure Activism, if you guys haven't heard of it, by Adrian Marie Brown. It is so incredible. I'm going to hold it up for you. Um, it's incredible, incredible. And I think that right now, as we've all been in a lot of pain and suffering, we need pleasure. We need to enjoy, we need to get re in touch with our bodies and our, our feelings so that we can start not being so awkward when we get out there. Cause I've gone to a few like little parties, vaccinated parties. And it's like, Oh, hi, I'm Crystal. Like, you just don't know what you're doing. Like, I don't know what to do with my hands, you know? Um, but is, if we can get in touch with our own pleasure and joy and our bodies and, and and that liberation of self, like it'll be so much easier to get back into the world. And I really, truly hope that you all come and visit Broadway and any local theater. We need your support. The arts really, truly, truly needs all of your support right now. So, you know, visit museums and visit concerts, the opera, ballet. These artists have been really um challenged during this period feeling very non-essential feeling very um lost so if you can support your local theaters i would truly deeply appreciate it so for everyone is listening tell them where they can find you your instagram your facebook i know you have a couple of appearances coming up let us know okay so my instagram and twitter handles are crystal joy brown so at crystal joy brown and please dm me if you have any questions comments or concerns i love talking to to people about you know whatever um even just about this crazy business or about race or whatever you're going through um and i have two appearances coming up in the month of june which is pride month woo woo yes. and um and these are not pride related but, <laughs> but I've, <laughs> 
I'm proud. <laughs> These are not pride related at all. I just felt like it was worth mentioning. Um, but I'm going to be working with this incredible organization called the New York Immigration Coalition. They are an incredible foundation that works with and supplies resources for people that are immigrating to this country. And I mean, that's so many different needs that uh, are that are met from this organization. So you can catch a virtual gala on June 8th, and you can go to the website nyic.org to get more information and sign in and maybe give a little donation so that they can continue doing the incredible work that they are doing. And also on June 23rd, I will be a part of the I'm Still Here virtual benefit for the Billy Rose Theater Division and the um, New York Public Library for Performing Arts. And I will be accompanied with some of the biggest stars like Bernadette Peters and uh, Andre DeShields, who I adore. And we will be honoring George C. Wolfe and Hal Prince. And so it's this really big celebration of the arts and what the New York Public Library has done to preserve our artistry. Um, so those are two things that, that you can check out for the month of June that I will be doing. And then I'm going to take some time off before going back into Hamilton. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're doing a lot, a lot. When do I'm you go excited. back to Hamilton? Tell us when you go back to Hamilton. So I start rehearsal on August 16th, and then I will be performing our first show, September 14th. I so, am so excited. Very yeah. Yeah, I'm so, so I'm going to have my hot back summer as as, <laughs> as fast and as hard as I possibly can and then get back into Broadway shape. Well, you deserve it. You are amazing. You are literally out here <laughs> giving joy, being joy, finding joy, sharing it. I I'm so honored to know you and to love you and to be in your life and to be in your presence. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us. And, and thank you guys for listening. She is amazing. Please follow her, find her, listen to her. She is everything. Thank you all so much for having me. And thank you, Johnny, for just continuing to spread Black joy and just joy across the land. Thank you. Bye, everyone. Bye.